Welcome to First Presbyterian Church of Evanston. This Sunday's sermon was given by Associate Pastor Reverend Henry Coates. If you'd like more information about First Presbyterian Church of Evanston, please visit firstpresevanston.org. Our scripture reading today is from the Apostle Paul's second letter to the Corinthians, chapter 1, verses 1 through 11, found in our Red Pew Bibles, beginning on page 170. Please join me in a prayer for illumination. Prepare our hearts, O God, to accept your word. Silence in us any voice but your own, that hearing we may also obey your will, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 1. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to the church of God that is in Corinth, including all the saints throughout Achaia, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all consolation, who consoles us in all our affliction, so that we may be able to console those who are in any affliction with the consolation with which we ourselves are consoled by God. For just as the sufferings of Christ are abundant for us, so also our consolation is abundant through Christ. If we are being afflicted, it is for your consolation and salvation. If we are being consoled, it is for your consolation which you experience when you patiently endure the same sufferings that we are also suffering. Our hope for you is unshaken, for we know that as you share in our sufferings, so also you share in our consolation. We do not want you to be unaware, brothers and sisters, of the affliction we experienced in Asia, for we were so utterly, unbearably crushed that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt we had received the sentence of death so that we, we would rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. He who rescued us from so deadly a peril will continue to rescue us. On him we have set our hope that he will rescue us again, as you also join in helping us by your prayers, so that many will give thanks on our behalf for the blessing granted us through the prayers of many. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. All right. Good morning, everybody. As I get my microphone set, will you please join me in prayer? Uh, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing unto you, you who are our rock, our redeemer, our consoler, our Christ. Amen. Well, first off, good morning. Good morning to all of you who are here today joining us in worship, and good morning to all of y'all who might be joining with us on our live stream. Wherever you may be in the world today, here at 1427 Chicago Avenue, or maybe you're down in North Carolina, or maybe you're somewhere across the world, we are glad. We are glad that you are worshiping with us today, and I say that from the bottom of my heart. Welcome old friends and new. 
So today, we are kicking off a new season in the life of our church. Uh, the start of our children's Sunday schools, the uh, advertising and encouragement to join one of our small groups. Thank you, Karen and Dan. And the beginning of a new sermon series where Pastor Ray and I will be exploring the Apostle Paul's fantastic second letter to the church at Corinth. We believe that 2 Corinthians will offer encouragement, encouragement to all of us, an encouragement to a grace-filled church. And to begin with, I'm going to talk about how sometimes we may feel down. Down as individuals, down as families, down as a church. But though we are down, we are not out. I find our passage for this morning, verses 1 through 11, perfect. The Holy Spirit chose these verses to be preached on this morning in a time such as this for a reason. And that reason is the word, phrase, concept of consolation. Now, having taught a couple of courses in depth on Paul's letters, it is always important to read his introductory sentences carefully. And here he begins with his typical salutation, identifying himself and his intended original audience for the letter, the Church of God at Corinth. And then he offers a blessing, a grace to you, and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And you can get two things just from that. God is not some high absentee landlord being up in the clouds somewhere. No, God is Father. And grace comes not only from him, but from the Lord Jesus Christ. Now you may be thinking, well, so what, Henry? That's like Christianity 101. Yes, it is. And it's really important. <laughs> Only God can offer grace. Only God can offer forgiveness. So for Paul, early on, right here in the start of his letter, to say that grace is coming from both God and Jesus, he's identifying the two together. That Jesus is, in some mysterious way, our Lord and our God. But then let's go to verse 3 and 4. And if you don't have your Bibles open on this passage, I, I do encourage you to do so. No pressure, but I do encourage you to do so. Let's look at verses 3 and 4, which introduces the theme for this introduction. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all consolation who consoles us in our affliction so that we may be able to console those who are in any affliction with the consolation with which we ourselves are consoled by God. If you have your own Bible, not one of the church's Bibles, if you have one of your own Bibles, I invite you to underline chapter verses 3 and 4. So God is the father of, of what? 
of our Lord Jesus Christ and the Father of mercies and the God of all consolation. Now, this one word, consolation, is doing a lot of heavy lifting here. In a word, it is the entire gospel. It means that because of Jesus, God ain't done with us yet. Consolation is typically thought of as comforting someone in a time of grief or disappointment. In other words, in times of affliction. Affliction brought on by our own mistakes or the intentional misdeeds of others or a natural disaster or an unjust law or simply bad luck. The consolation is not just a one and done thing offered in the moment of a broken heart, a pat on the back after a hard day, an arm around the shoulder after living through hard, challenging, difficult times. No, Paul is speaking with the authority of God himself here. Paul says that God consoles us in all our affliction. And it's more than just a simple smile, a sympathy, and then God just goes on his merry way. No, that's not how it works. It's not just some of it. It's not just a brief moment of our affliction. It is all of it. And there's something I want us to get through all of our heads. Consolation continues forward. With God, it doesn't stop. It can look and sound and feel different depending on the moment of time, on the passage of the years, on the severity of the situation. But consolation is a perpetual thing that does not become forgotten. Your pain, your suffering, the injustices you have experienced, and I know some folks have lived through some grave injustices, they are not forgotten. You are not forgotten. You are known and beloved by your Father in heaven, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, Father of all mercies, and the God of all consolation. Now that's good news. Now, I don't talk about 9-11 often. It is in some real way still too raw for me to do so. Now, there's a, there's a couple of reasons for this. I grew up and lived most of my life in central New Jersey. Our town lost six people in the towers and one in the Pentagon. Our region, hundreds. I was a junior in high school, and I... I remember kids calling their parents who worked at the World Trade Center who just couldn't get through. Now, many of my fellow classmates at Heightstown High School 
lost parents and family members, including a friend of mine when the towers came down. Now, I, I don't talk about it because it is traumatic. It's hard to talk about traumatic things. I think we can all agree on that to one degree or another. It was traumatic for pretty much all of us. It was a nationwide affliction. Now, did God abandon us in that moment 20 years ago? Were we forsaken? Well, some pastors said so because of our various sins. But no, I, I, I don't think so. I don't think God abandoned us or punished us. You know what I recall? I recall the heroes. In particular, I recall the firefighters who ran up those stairs, rising, rising, rising. There's a really great Bruce Springsteen song about this called The Rising. And I'm not just telling you that because I'm from New Jersey and I love Bruce Springsteen. Now that was 20 years ago. And the pain is still fresh for many. Much has happened since then. Yet God still consoles. And look, I know I just painted a picture of a national tragedy so great that we are living with the repercussions still to this day. The world is. But the, affliction that God's, but the afflictions that God consoles us in, they look like all sorts of things, don't they? Just thinking of the stories I heard in the past couple of weeks, I'll share them with you. I think of a teacher doing her best to keep her kids safe from COVID while offering a quality education, has a classroom set up for 20-something students, and she finds out on her first day that she's got to fit in nearly 35. That's tough. God is with her. I think of the grandma and the grandpa so eager to spend time with their grandkids but knowing themselves to be immunocompromised are unsure of how to proceed. That's an affliction. And God is with them. A young man in graduate school, several years into his program, wondering if it is all a mistake, that he is going down the wrong path. God is consoling him in this very moment. I think of those who lost loved ones, either recently or in years past, and who are feeling so lost. God consoles this day and every day. To the young woman from my hometown, just recently diagnosed with multiple sclerosis, trying out, trying to figure out how to live with this diagnosis. God is there. To the one who lost their best friend to suicide and mourns deeply to this day, God consoles. God will never abandon. 
to those in the sandwich generation, caring for their own kids but worried about their parents, living so far away or oh so close. But the need is both exhausting and heartbreaking. I could go on and on. Yet one thing remains constant. God. God is present. God is consoling. God is with us all. And Paul gets this. And he drives it home in verse 7. Our hope for you is unshaken. For we know that as you share in our sufferings, so also you share in our consolation. It's right there. And why is God with us? And why are we consoled? It is more than just a promise kept, for God always keeps God's promises. No, so we are consoled so that we may be able to console those who are any affliction with the consolation with which we ourselves consoled by God. We are consoled so that we may console. Our pain, our affliction. God can and will use them to bring him glory, to witness to the transforming love of Jesus Christ. To quote a little bit later in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, we are hard-pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair persecuted but not forsaken, knocked down but not destroyed, always carrying in, around in our body the death of the Lord Jesus so that the life of Jesus may be revealed. So that the life of Jesus may be revealed. Now that's a complex concept. How does this work in practice? That's a really good question. And so to help give you an answer, I want to invite you all to something. Our church is having an all-church retreat, October 15th and 16th, where Dr. Andy Root from Luther Seminary is going to come down and talk with us about what it means to be a Christian in an anxious, secular world. What does it mean to be a Christian in a world that seems to no longer want or need God? How do we console one another in an age when consolation seems impossible? That's October 15th and 16th, and he will be preaching on the 17th. I really encourage you all to go to the website. You can find out information in the back of our bulletin and sign up and come to this retreat. It will be here in the sanctuary. It will be safe. It will be good. And I really invite you all to come. So, where do we go from here? Pain, affliction, and despair can't have the last word. It can't and it won't. 
we know this to be true because it is built right into the story of Jesus. The cross, the dereliction of the cross where Jesus Christ felt utterly forsaken by God is followed by resurrection. Pain is followed by consolation. And just as resurrection isn't a one and done thing, but an internal reality within which we as Christians live and find our meaning, the consolation we receive does not simply end once we receive it. It drives us forward. We have our wounds, but we step out and say that our hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. Or, as Paul words it here, verse 10, he who rescued us from so deadly a peril will continue to rescue us, will continue to rescue us. Underline that in your own Bible, not the church's Bible, in your own Bible. Will continue to rescue us. On him we have set our hope that he will rescue us again. So pray. I encourage us all to pray. Get on our knees, close our eyes, open our hearts to the Father of all mercies, the God who consoles. And then, rise up. Rise up. Rise up and be the hands and feet of Jesus. His voice for the voiceless. Now, that rise up is for the choir. Y'all, you all don't need to rise up right now too. But if you want to, I'm going to say it again. Rise up. Rise up and be the hands and feet of Jesus. The hope for the hopeless. And when you feel overwhelmed, hold on to hope. For this we have Jesus, so that we may be able to console those who are in any affliction with the consolation with which we ourselves are consoled by God. That is the scripture. For this we have Jesus. For this we have Jesus. Thanks be to God. Amen and amen.